I'm Zoraida Cordova, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. I bypassed the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers podcast, and yes, that is right. I am back in your ear holes. My name is Brandon. I am one of your hosts, and I am here with my other host. She is hipper than a hipster Ahsoka Tana baristo, baristo, barista, female. Uh, she She's hipper than a hipster Ahsoka Tana barista. That's really hard to say. I'm I'm just amazed because I didn't even know that barista was a thing. You I don't know if it thing? is. <laughs> take a, I don't know if it, take a I'm out of breath as you're. I'm out of practice. All right, words. Take three. We'll change it in post, but we won't really. So, <laughs> she is hipster, hipper than a hipster. Ahsoka Tano, who always knows exactly what kind of drink you want, even before you know it. Ladies and gentlemen, that's right. She's Lindsay. There we go. I'm proud of you. You did it. You got through that. See, you know how like you're always like, oh man, now I've got to live up to those expectations. I just nope. set the bar really low for you. <laughs> I I sure don't now. <laughs> you're welcome, ma'am. I would just you're like a good to say, you're I really do what good I can. I, you know, I am a giver. It's what I do. So we're back at it, guys. Uh, hopefully, my audio is good. I am uh, in my new house and recording in my new studio, and. Uh, we have much higher ceilings, so we'll see how the acoustics work in here, and uh, hopefully you'll go along for that ride with us. But uh, we got to ask a question. We haven't we haven't been on the Clashing Sabers podcast in a while, so we got to ask Lindsay. What are you Star Warsing? Oh man, I knew it was coming, and I don't have any kind of abbreviated answer because we are back in go 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 territory. So there's been. A, an audio drama for Afra that's come out. There's been the Poe Dameron book. There's been an onslaught of new comic books to catch up with. And then we are now just about one week away from what should have been Star Wars Celebration. So I am trying to catch up on absolutely everything because my guess is starting next week, we are just going to get hammered with new information about Mandalorian and all different books and everything else is going to come out and it's going to be a ride my friend it really is yeah it's definitely going to be uh interesting to see what they release and how they release it like are they still going to give us that little uh I guess high if you will that you get from getting all that information at once or are they going to just kind of satiate us and give us a little bit as things go along um which is kind of I I mean it's kind of what they've been doing as of late just giving us little tidbits of things um as as they go along and and I'm kind of on two sides uh, with that because I obviously want all the information um, but at the same time, I want to be able to digest all the information. And I feel like that's harder when you get 10,000 things at a time. But the flip side of that coin is if we only get a little bit at a time, then it leaves a lot of time for the fake news and rumors about everybody getting yeah. their own Disney Plus series to come out. And I'm honestly just so exhausted. Guys, 
we got this covered is not news. Please stop posting their articles. They literally, Please. they literally like, like guys, I can, I can say this 100% for sure. They literally source their articles from other irreputable sources and copy what they say. Stop, stop it. Just stop it. Stop it. It amazes me when I see my friends who I would like to think of as pretty credible sources when they send me things, send me stuff from that website. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 you're better than this. Here's the problem. Nobody reads the articles anymore. People only read the headlines. That's the problem. So, like, I'm sure somebody at some point has said, like, hey, we should do more stuff with Kylo Ren. And that becomes Kylo Ren Disney Plus series coming fall of 2037 or whatever kind of garbage we get it's just so it's like uh you can't you know you can't win for losing kind of situation there because like i obviously i want all the information but i'm kind of over the whole like news side of the fandom because yeah it's just more of that that's because it's not news it's not it's just speculative gossip and my issue is I never like being the person who is just going to bash on whatever people are saying. I want to be positive and I want to be excited with people. So when they send me these quote unquote articles, I always feel like such a jerk being like, you know, that's not true. Don't get excited. This is never going to happen. There's got to be a balance somewhere in there of like, we can speculate about stuff and and I think that what needs to happen is there needs to be sites that are like just honest about we're speculation, we're not news. Like why why does everybody have to do the news? That's that's something that bothers I mean, that's me. Why Alex and Molly over at Star Wars Explained are so great because they always say, you know, speculate responsibly. Like it's fine if you're speculating, but just announce it before you do it. So this way and I think I think in some regards speculating can be even more fun than just straight news. Speculating can like, you know, you you can sit there and come up with your dream TV show or your dream cast for things. Whereas news is just like, hey, this is what's coming. Sooner or later, you'll get a trailer. And I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's the, yeah, speculating responsibly is a really good way of putting it, of just like, hey, maybe don't let your one source that you're, like, basing this off of be the headline of an article you read. Like, if you want if you want to speculate about stuff, like, I'm all for it. Like, I do it. I, I had come, you know, that's kind of how I digest Star Wars, but use all of the information that you have. Like, it would, it's, it would be like trying to do what we're going to do tonight and identify, like, the best Jedi. That's going to be our topic for tonight. And not watching the movies like you can't do that responsibly you can't be like well you know uh obi-wan's the best jedi because i don't know a lot of people talk about him like that's that's not how it works and (laughs) because i like you and mcgregor yeah well i mean that is spoiler alert that's why he's the best jedi yeah uh, (laughs) what's up zach it's a talk (laughs) so here's the real question that i i have because you know we're we're hardcore Star Wars fans talking about this and and talking about the speculation, but I realized that there is a side of Star Wars that I had never seen before. 
Oh? It's called Fake Star Wars. Go on, please. So my classroom at school, as always, is decorated in Star Wars, and that tends to get other teachers' kids... That sounds terrible. But other teachers' yep. kids are like into Star Wars and they want to come see my room or whatever. There, there's other adults there. I'm not a creeper. Okay, calm down. Uh, but the the teacher next door, her daughter is, uh, I think she's going into like first grade or something. She came over because I have my dog Buzz at school and she wanted to play with him or whatever. So she was playing with Buzz and whatever. And she goes, have you ever seen the fake Star Wars? And I was like, Thinking to myself, okay, fake Star Wars, is she talking about like Robot Chicken or Phineas and Ferb or... And I'm like, what do you mean? Well, the fake Star Wars, like it's not the real one. It's not like, like the movies. That, and, and I'm like, I'm going in my head. I'm like, you're like six or seven. There's no way you've seen Spaceballs. Oh. So I, she keeps like drawing it out and trying to explain it. And she can't figure out how to explain it. Finally, she's walking and she sees a picture that I have of Ahsoka and she goes, that's fake Star Wars. She's in the fake Star Wars. Stop. Was she talking about Clone Wars? She was talking about Clone Wars and Rebels. She was talking about animated and she called it fake Star Wars because she didn't have any other way to identify that it wasn't the movies. That's so so good. that That was a lot of fun because like, and mind you, this is going on That's for like 30 <laughs> minutes as we're trying to figure out how to communicate with each other. So uh, if anybody tells you you're a fake fan, oh then just God. say, yes, I do like the animated series. So, yeah, that was that nice. was pretty fun. Um, Good segue. And then, and then, you know, I've just been uh, getting, getting the new house set, trying to get the new studio set up. And uh, I have a full room now instead of just a little cubby hole in, in a desk area. So... You know, it's 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 going. It's weird getting back into the swing of things. Uh, you know, it, it's to an extent. I I wonder if this is kind of what it felt like for Leia in Bloodline when she realized that war was coming again. You know, where it's like, you know, it's unavoidable. You know, you have to do it, and at the same time, you can prepare as much as you want to, and it's still not going to prepare you well enough. Like that's what—that's yeah. the point I'm at right now, right? Like, Leia had years of experience. I have years of experience. She had a plan in place. I have a plan in place. But you know, it's the old Mike Tyson. You know, everybody has a, a plan until you get punched in the face, right? There so. You go. So we'll see. We'll see whether uh, I'm able you to keep this it. class as Ben Solo or whether they turn into Kylo Ren. Who knows? I, I have faith in you. Like you said, you've got, you've got some years on you. Don't forget, you're the veteran teacher. Oh, that's scary, guys. They let me stick around this long. You should really <laughs> fear for your children's ed- education. But you should not fear from the education that you are going to get from Happy Beeps. That's right. It is time for Happy Beeps. I'm going to send it to Poe, who's going to send it to Bill, who's going to talk to us about Jedi and marketing and toys. So, Poe, scratch it. Happy Beeps, your buddy. Come on. I'm with the droid on this one. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy Beeps, your buddy. Come on. Happy Beeps. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy Beeps, your buddy. Come on. Happy Beeps. Happy Beeps. 
Hi there, it's Bill from Happy Beeps. Today on the Clashing Sabers podcast, we're talking about the Jedi. So I thought it'd be interesting to see out of all the action figures, Lego minifigs, bobbleheads, diecast cars, and plush toys produced since 1977, more than 7,400 by the count of the Happy Beeps database, how many of them are for characters who are Jedi? Obviously, the Jedi and the Force are a huge part of Star Wars, and with characters like Luke Skywalker, Qui-Gon Jinn, Mace Windu, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, a huge part of the merchandising as well. But at Happy Beeps, we want to know the numbers, so let's get to it. In the classic Star Wars era, from 1977 to 1987, 215 different Star Wars toys were produced over 10 years. 17 of those were for Jedi. That's Luke Skywalker, Ben Kenobi, and Yoda. That's the only Jedi that we knew about. That's just under 8% of all the toys created. In what we call the Renaissance, from 1988 to 1999, we bumped up to 367 total action figures and vehicles. 55 of those toys were of Jedi characters, almost doubling the percentage to 15%. In the prequel era, from 1999 up until the summer of 2008, Lucasfilm introduced hundreds of new characters and the number of toys grew by more than five times, 1,852 total action figures and Lego constructions. 259 of those were Jedi. Percentage slips a little bit to 14%. In what we call the Clone Wars era, from 2008 to 2014, more amazing stories and characters like Ahsoka Tano, another 1,839 toys produced, 221 of which were Jedi, percentage falling a little bit more to 12%. And finally, since 2014, when Disney really took over the merchandising and licensing for Star Wars, a colossal 3,168 toys have been produced by the six largest manufacturers. Now that we're back to telling more stories set in the time of the Empire and the First Order, only 267 of those are for Jedi characters. So the amazing thing is that even though we're talking about almost 15 times as many toys produced in the last six years as in Star Wars' first six years, when it comes to the Jedi, the percentage of character toys that are Jedi is back to where it started at 8%. Now, over the next few years, we're going to see more Star Wars TV with The Mandalorian, The Bad Batch, and shows for Cassian Andor and Obi-Wan Kenobi. We'll see more of The Jedi with The High Republic in 2021 from Lucasfilm Publishing. And in 2023, we'll reinvent Star Wars all over again with new feature films. We've learned so much from and about the Jedi since 1977. Most importantly, that any victory that lasts is built on a foundation of peace, compassion, friendship, and loyalty. If you want to learn more about Star Wars toy production and publishing, head on over to happybeeps.net. Stay safe, everyone. May the Force be with you. Your lightsabers will make a fine addition to my collection. weapon deserves more respect. Master Skywalker. What are you doing? I saw myself on the Dark Throne. I won't let it happen. 
I'm never leaving this place. I'm doing what you did. I was wrong. It was fear that kept me here. What are you most afraid of? Myself. Because you're a Palpatine. Leia knew it too. Things are stronger than blood. Confronting it fear is the, is the destiny that of the we Jedi. have asked for generations. Fans have wondered and contemplated and debated, uh, even unto this day, who the best Jedi is. And when I put this out on uh, Facebook and Twitter, we got characters that you would expect. We got the Ahsokas. We got the. Uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's, Yoda, Obi-Wan, all of those characters um, that you would, would expect to make that list of top Jedi. I want to keep in mind what we are we're asking here tonight. We're not, we're not debating who our favorite Jedi is. We're not debating who the most engaging Jedi is, the most interesting Jedi, the most important Jedi. We're asking who is the best who epitomizes what a Jedi could, can, and should be. So with that in mind, before we get into this eternal question of who is the best Jedi, I want to talk about qualifiers for, for our picks. So, Lindsay, did you put any qualifiers or parameters on who you were considering Jedi? Yes. For me, they had to be a Jedi for, we'll say their adult life not their entire life but their adult life meaning ahsoka was out because when it came down to ahsoka did not identify herself as a jedi so even though she would probably win this contest if she qualified to me she simply did not qualify other than that I was pretty loosey-goosey with everything else. Okay, so I have... My, mine is kind of similar to you. They have to consider themselves a Jedi. So, again, Ahsoka is out simply because of the I am no Jedi line, right? Like, when she's at the end of her journey, she no longer considers herself a Jedi, even though she is what a Jedi should be, and she would definitely, obviously, take the cake for me if... Um, we were we're doing that debate of, you know, what's the best example of a Jedi? But we're asking who is the best Jedi. Um, along those lines, like Cheer It, you know, would definitely at least be a contender of what a Jedi should be. Um, but again, he's not a Jedi. So that, that disqualifies. Uh, the other one was that they have to, like you said, uh, you know, their adult life. I said a significant portion of their lives. Um, that we see. So the majority of what we see should be them being a Jedi, which I had to put that qualifier on it because it eliminates Leia. Um, 
I have made the ar- the argument that she may be the best Jedi, um, that she may be the prime example of what a Jedi should be, and I'll link that article in the show notes if you want more about that. Um, but I did not think it was was. Uh, I didn't think it was very uh, discussion-based to, to consider her the best Jedi in this context because she was not a Jedi actively for the majority of her life. And then finally, I did count the journey to becoming a Jedi as part of uh, the the process. So, it's, so being a Padawan or um, pursuing training or anything like that would qualify you. So Rey would be qualified since pretty much the end of Force Awakens is her accepting that she's going on a Jedi journey. So, um, And even by that matter, I think you could even say that Ezra would have qualified. You know, those, yeah. those types of Jedi where he might not have been in the Order, he might not have had any real kind of official training, but he still spent years training to become a Jedi, and he therefore identified as one. Yeah, and I think that's important is, is the identifier of it because I think... Um, even, you know, Luke, when he was on Octo and, and in isolation, he still considered himself a Jedi. He just considered that he needed to be the last of them. Um, and, and so that's something critical, right? Whereas, you know, Ben Solo, I, I don't think would qualify for this list, not because he is not a Jedi, um, because I think at the end of Rise of Skywalker, he is, in a way, taking that mantle back up, right? And he he was trained in the ways of the Jedi, but a significant part of the story that we have seen is him uh, identifying as Kylo Ren. So those are the kind of things that um, were the parameters that I put on here, just to kind of have um, an understanding of what are we... What are we allowing to be Jedi? And so with that in mind, I thought it was important um, to look at a few of the people that almost made the list uh, for me to provide some context uh, of what a Jedi should be. So I'm going to run through my list. And then after after each one or so, I will uh, I'll I'll see if you um, have any input uh, that you would like to add or um, and then we can talk about any other characters I may have missed. So first and foremost is Obi-Wan. Um, I think he's kind of the considered the prime example of a Jedi. And I think um, he definitely had he's definitely in the running um, because he faces tragedy after tragedy and he never gives in to the darkness. And I think that that is something um, that is definitely aspirational. Um but for me, he didn't. He doesn't take the cake because he's often misguided by the dogmatic views about things that he has for the Jedi. Right? He, in the prequels, we see it, um, in and even in the original trilogy, we see it, and that um, attachment to the Order um, as an entity rather than the Jedi as a people is something that I think um, holds him back from honestly like being better than Yoda, being better than really anybody else. So what are are your thoughts on Obi-Wan? Yeah, for me, he's just a little bit too rigid. I think that he is probably the greatest person. You know, if you're not thinking in terms of what it means to be a Jedi and every single thing that they stand for and holding them to this really high standard... I think Obi-Wan is an amazing man. 
you know, he tries to always do the right thing. His biggest flaw is just that he doesn't always know what that is because he's so rigid. He needs to have this structure and things to him are always so black and white. And that gets him into trouble. You know, I think he is a fantastic Jedi. I think he's a great person, a great character. I just don't think to me he he's not the epitome of what a Jedi should be, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think you're right. I think if if you put the Jedi in a vacuum, I think Obi-Wan would be uh, the best of them. But because, um, you know, as Qui-Gon puts it, basically the needs of, of the people or the rules of the order, which one's more important, you know, um, he he ends up on the wrong side more often than not. Uh, but But, I mean, that's important to the story. So, Speaking of like people who are are on the wrong side of things, I think next we got to talk about Yoda um, because Yoda uh, is somebody who's going to be important to the person that I consider um, to be the wisest of the Jedi, or excuse me, the the best of the Jedi. And I do think we could consider Yoda to be the wisest uh, for sure, um, particularly in Empire. But he is continually outsmarted in the prequels, and uh, you know a major part of the blame although not all of it has to go uh on right in front of yoda's feet he's he's a major reason that the jedi fell and he has to take that on his shoulders because you know that's that's the burden of leadership the same that luke has to take onto his shoulders with ben solo so yoda is uh eliminated even though if we're looking at a uh, quotability and uh, i guess if we were looking at at jedi scripture if you will yoda would be um filling those books up but in terms of actually um the the effect that he had on the galaxy uh i think he misses the list of best jedi 100 percent, he misses it you know he he is we'll say responsible for their downfall we can certainly have that discussion anytime i feel like so many of our discussions go back to that and again it's not that he meant for this to happen. It's not that he had bad intentions, but fact of the matter is he ruined everything. He ruined the galaxy. Um, And it was because he was too old school. You know, I think of it as he's that older generation who just never adapted to the times. He was so stuck in... Typically, you would say decades prior, but in his case, someone his age, he was so stuck in probably centuries prior. And what I'm thinking is when the High Republic books start to come out, I think we're going to see how well Yoda could have fit in there. And that was an idealistic time where someone with his wisdom and his point of view would just be so highly encouraged. And he could have been the greatest Jedi at that time. Unfortunately, he will say overstayed his welcome, causing him to be very much not the greatest Jedi of all time. So here's the thing, though. Um, I, I don't think I don't know if I agree with the very strong language you you used in saying it's his fault and and. Um, I don't necessarily agree that he was too old school because I, I don't think that that is the 
issue that the text gives us because he recognizes the faults of the Jedi. He he mentions it, you know, that they become too arrogant. He mentioned that they could have misinterpreted the the prophecy. His problem is he doesn't do anything about it. So I look at Yoda as like the epitome of a teacher, right? Because that's his role throughout the the films, even though we, you know, we see him be a fighter at times, but he's a teacher primarily. And so looking at that as a teacher's lens, that that to me is like looking at a student who is not achieving what they could be achieving and just going, well, I don't know what to do about it. So I guess I'll just continue to uh, give them more and more assignments rather than actually like getting to the root cause of the problem. Um, Because a lot of those problems especially with like students who who should be high achieving and are not achieving everything they they are capable of there's some kind of emotional uh trauma or something at home going on right so if we take that to what we have in the prequels i mean i think that's literally what's happening with anakin and obi-wan uh and yoda doesn't really help them confront it uh so that's that's my take on on where yoda uh went wrong with the with the Jedi. I don't know. I, I don't know if we a, That's a big place to go wrong though. I mean, imagine it is. you you have two teams in the Super Bowl, right? And they've made it that far. And all of a sudden, the coach on one team is saying, "Hey, look. I know our opponents. I know their strategy. I know that this is what they're going to do next. But we're just going to keep running the same plays we've been running all season. I know it's not going to work right now." But it got us this far. Let's just keep going. Even though I know what we're up against is different. Let's just, let's see what happens. Yes, but also don't discredit the other coach, right? Palpatine is, I mean, my my thing is, I think when we lay everything at the feet of Yoda, we tend to discredit just how masterfully Palpatine manipulated everything. And... Even though he's terrible and um, not someone we should aspire to be like, I don't want to discredit that because it's important to the story, right? But I do like your analogy of, like, let's keep running the same play and, and hoping that we get lucky. Um, and I think... Yeah. And, I think and I'm going to th- remind th- you later, too, that you said don't discredit Palpatine. Um Shocking. How could I ever bring that back up later? You'll see. Hmm. <laughs> but I... I but I want to point out, too, like, if we're using that sports analogy, right, like, great teams, they do run the same plays, and they they stick with what works for them when things go bad, right? When things go wrong, like, if we're going to stick with football, like, look at Peyton Manning and, and Tom Brady and, you know, pocket quarterbacks like that. Like, when things go wrong, they don't just all of a sudden become, like, you know— cam newton or michael vick they stick with like what they know and what they do well and they just find ways to adapt to it so i think the what you said there about yoda not being able to adapt to the times i think is something very apropos but that's for our yoda episode so (laughs) next is is the one we kind of mentioned earlier um ahsoka She's disqualified, like I said, because of the I am no Jedi line. Um, If we're talking purely who exemplifies what a Jedi should be, um, I think she's at least on the short list. Uh, Mine, she would obviously top. um, And I think that there's even, to some extent, a conversation that could be had about should uh, Jedi even 
label themselves as Jedi, but that's a whole nother convoluted conversation. And I'm not, I'm not going to devolve into that right now. I'm just going to say she is not a gray Jedi. She is not any kind of Jedi, but she's awesome. Lindsay. No, you know, I agree with you. Okay. I, I, I agree wholeheartedly because you even made the, um, the mention earlier, like you have Chirrut. Like, there's there's all these not-Jedi who, in my opinion, are the perfect Jedi. To me, what a Jedi is, their, their two biggest qualities, at least, should be courage and compassion. Yoda, in my opinion, did not have the courage. You know, we, we just went on that tirade about how he doesn't change the place when needed. That's something you need courage to do. Obi-Wan, in some aspects, didn't have the compassion because everything had to be so black and white. But you get Ahsoka in there, and she has everything. She is powerful in the Force, but she also has that empathy for the people around her, and she has that clear underlying goal of to do what's right, even if you need to dabble in some morally ambiguous ambiguous yeah morally ambiguous things well and and i think there are jedi who had the courage and compassion who um still just fell a little bit short of the list for me um and they kind of go together qui-gon and kanan um i think there's a lot of similarities between these two characters um and both of them are like right there almost as, you know, the the greatest of the Jedi. And, and some people on Twitter and Facebook mentioned um, that, that Qui-Gon and or Kanan was who they considered. I would say prior to Master and Apprentice, Qui-Gon wouldn't have made my list. Uh, not just, not because I dislike him or anything like that, but because long-term track record is something that I, w- I was trying to consider. Um, and... We just didn't have a lot of content, canon content around Qui-Gon. But I think him declining to join the council in order to um, understand and follow the Force to a greater extent really changed the game for me. And uh, as far as Kanan, I think he's he's similar to Qui-Gon because he's trying to discover himself. He's trying to discover the Force. All of those things that, that Qui-Gon um, talks about in, in both Dooku Jedi Lost and Master and Apprentice, uh, I think that the reason he barely misses my number one spot, um, and I'd be interested to, to ask Drew this too, because I hadn't asked him yet, but I know he has a, a great affection for Kanan. He doesn't make the list because he doesn't often make the choices by himself. Um, throughout Rebels, he has to nudge, uh, Hera, excuse me, has to nudge him along to do just about everything from like taking... Uh, Ezra on to actually joining the rebellion, all of those things. I think it's a, a beautiful, um, spoiler alert, I think it's a beautiful ending for him when that all comes to fruition and he kind of pays Hera back for all of that by um, showing her the right choice and in, in turn showing Ezra the right choice. But in terms of like track record, I don't think Kanan on his own, um, if he hadn't been in with Hera would have even considered himself a Jedi anymore, let alone made this list. So it's kind of a, you know, tough one because obviously interaction between other people is, is part of what develops who we are. But I was really trying to look at just the things that they do and how it impacts others. And I think Kanan is someone who is more so impacted by others and, 
then um, I guess impacts the greater galaxy as a whole. I'm so happy that you mentioned why Kanan doesn't make your number one spot. Because I, I had trouble pinning exactly why he never would have made my list. But that, once you said it, it's like, that's why. But really, you know, he, he always tries to do the right thing. He, again, has a very strong force connection. But up until the end, nothing is really his choice. It seems like everything is forced upon him. And he does things so reluctantly sometimes and that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way not not because i don't like kanan i do i love kanan i think he again a great character just never made my favorite rebels character even let alone jedi qui-gon jinn though it might surprise you it might not but up until about 10 minutes before we started recording there were two Jedi that I was going up in the air and I was like, uh, it's one of these two. And he was one of the two. He up until, truly up until 10 minutes before starting, we started recording. And I was like, I, I have to make a decision. <laughs> and I told you, we don't even need to have Drew on tonight because I could probably be a third person and make arguments for Qui-Gon all night. You know, he is someone who knows wholeheartedly what the right thing to do is, and he is going to do it no matter who he needs to piss off. Even if it's someone on his side, quote unquote, he's going to overstep his boundaries to get the right thing done. And that's not an easy thing to do for anyone, especially for a Jedi who is conditioned to work with these people and these creatures and these things. Yeah. And I mean, I know part of, of why I feel bad saying this because so many people consider him to be the best Jedi. And again, like this is the whole point of this exercise is, is the debate. But I think a, a big reason why he never would have made my list or I shouldn't say he wouldn't have made my list, but he wouldn't have been the one that I chose was because when I was growing up watching Phantom Menace, those scenes just kind of never, never really clicked with me. Never. I, they kind of, I don't necessarily know if they went over my head, but I never gave them a lot of thought um, until I really started analyzing uh, the movies. And so I don't think that there was, I don't think I have that long-term emotional connection to like Qui-Gon as the rebel um, that some other people do. Um, Brian balance. Uh, so yeah, but I mean, he, he definitely is like, if you're going to say like, uh, you know, a Jedi of, of the, well, I Jedi of the prequels, you know, possibly, um, it just, I, I hope we get more content with him and maybe depending on how far back the high Republic goes, uh, we get some some connections with Dooku and Qui-Gon or, or whatever um, going on there. But you teased it. Qui-Gon is your, your 1B. I think we should... Ooh, you know what? Let's do this. Instead of announcing ours, let's try to guess each other's, okay? okay your number one. Who you haven't named. All right, you guess. Who's my number one? Your number one is Ray. 
Oh, shocking. How'd you know? I don't know. It just like, I don't know. It was just like inked into my brain, if you will. All right. Your number one is not Plo Koon. Close, close. It was uh, Luminara and Dooley. Wait, really? No, that's like a deep cut way back to the Tross episode. (laughs) That's why I was shocked. Is your, please, dear God, tell me this is true. Is your number one Mace Window? Take a seat, young Skywalker. You caught me. (laughs) The purple lightsaber, man. That's it. It's just the purple lightsaber. Wait, are you serious? How can, how can you have a purple lightsaber and not be the best Jedi? No! Get out of here! Come on now. You know, Give a I, real guess. I was watching episode two with one of my friends last week. It was her first time ever seeing it. And oh, I awesome. Congratulations to her. Think, right? Right? It was a great day. We watched all three prequels. And I turned to her. I was like, yeah, he has a purple lightsaber. And she was like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but you should. <laughs> She's like, just shut up. I don't care. I always, every time I take one of those, like, what lightsaber color would you get? I always get purple. And I'm like, I want to be upset about this, but purple is also, like, my favorite color, so. All right. So, even though he doesn't have a purple lightsaber, yours is Luke. It is. It is. You are correct. Luke Skywalker, best Jedi of all time. (laughs) Yeah, I know. We're surprising nobody, but... All right, but you why don't go you ahead. go? You, do, you, you want me to go first? No, I mean, you can go. I can go. It doesn't I, matter to me. Mine's so easy that I feel like I don't even need to go because she is all the Jedi. She is a culmination of every single one that we just mentioned, including Luke all decided that she is the vessel that is worthy enough, right? I talked Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before before you get into that, just for clarification, because I think uh especially with the novel itself, it's pretty clear that when Palpatine says I'm all the Sith, he means literally he is all of the past Sith live in him in some weird kind of creepy like frat boy kind of situation. <laughs> Do you think that all the Jedi actually like their spirits are in ray or are do you think it is a metaphorical i am all the jedi and i i'm all the jedi i kind of think they are all in her i mean how else would you defeat all the sith if palpatine's literally all the sith And look, you said it before. I told you I was going to throw this back in your face. You said, don't discredit Palpatine. Look at everything he has done, everything he's accomplished. He is the most worthy adversary that even though despite Yoda's centuries, centuries of just inept teaching and inability to adapt and change his ways... Palpatine is the ultimate foe. You can say, hey, everything Yoda did was fine because look, he was going up against Palpatine. Who could ever beat that? Rey. Rey could beat that. Rey did beat that. For her to even say, this is part of me. I'm not just going up against someone else. I'm going up against part of myself. And I'm going to choose to be 
the greatest Jedi of all time, and that's the only way this is going to get done. And what did she do? She did it. Who else could do that? Luke couldn't. Here's here's where I I think an important differentiation needs to be made. Um, because y'all know, and I'm going to talk about it later, second Death Star, but... It is interesting with the kind of redefining of episode six that we get with the sequel trilogy. Luke goes on the second Death Star to save Vader, not to defeat Palpatine, right? And I think that's important in not discrediting what either Luke or Rey, uh, or Luke and Rey actually, do in their culminating acts as Jedi. You know what I mean? I can't hear you, Lindsay. Unmute. Lindsay, I can't hear you. I was thinking. Oh, okay. Yeah, because here's my issue with saying that Luke is the greatest Jedi of all time because of Return of the Jedi. That was Anakin. Luke did a very brave thing. I'm not denying that. But a lot of it was... Anakin. Did he save Anakin? Yes. But then everything after was Anakin. Okay. But you have to... This kind of goes into, like, how do you define a Jedi, right? And I I think it's really important that, especially now with Palpatine returning, that um, the, the point of luke going to the second death star and the reason that he's able to take up the mantle of jedi there is not because he helps defeat palpatine right like it's that he is going in there with the intention of saving someone and trying to bring back the light in someone and yes anakin had to make the choice but it doesn't happen without without Luke going there, right? And without the actions that Luke uh, that Luke takes, right? The throwing away his lightsaber. And he, he shows Anakin a level of love that he hasn't seen since Shmi let him go, right? I think that's, you know, something that's really beautiful is Sh- Shmi was someone who was willing to sacrifice everything for him because of, his, of her unconditional love. And that's the scene with Luke. I don't think you can say the same about even someone like Padme. I don't think she unconditionally loves him. She may think she does, but she loves the idea of him. She loves hero of the Battle of Naboo. She loves, you know, Jedi protector and really hot guy. But she doesn't unconditionally love him because of all the... I think if you you take away uh, the... the you know, episode one, you really have no connection between Padme and, um, and Anakin. And I mean, if you think about like a movie like speed, right at the end of speed, Sandra Bullock says, you know, relationships never turn out well when they're predicated on a stressful situation or whatever that line is. Right. And Mm -hmm. that's Anakin and Padme. Right. Um, so the, the, action of the unconditional love is something that i think is is what helps define luke as the best jedi i would argue that 
I'm gonna I'm gonna repeat something I said before where in my head a Jedi is all about courage and compassion. Where Yoda didn't have the courage, Obi-Wan didn't have the compassion. I think that's why Qui-Gon was so great because he did have both. I'm going to modify or build on the compassion element and say that it is altruistic compassion. I don't think Luke's was ever truly altruistic. His motivations really stem from himself. You know, this is my father. I want my father. This is something I need to do. Whereas Ray, we get these glimpses of compassion throughout all three movies. You know, she has nothing to gain from helping BB-8. She has nothing to gain in Pisana from sitting and talking to that child. But she does these things anyway. And when she wants to save the galaxy... It's not for her. It's not even for just her friends. It's for everyone because she's able to see the goodness in all these other people. You know, I think one of the most underrated scenes with her is in Force Awakens when she's cleaning everything that she found that day, everything that she scavenged, and she's just looking at this older woman. And yeah, part of that is, is that going to be me? But there's this sense of compassion when she's doing it. And that's why... I really love the Jedi that Rey becomes because it's not about glory. It's not about power. And it's not even just about saving her own family. It is a true willingness to lay down her life for absolutely anyone, even Kylo Ren, who should be her enemy. I don't disagree with anything that you said there, but I disagree with the... Uh, purely altruistic. I don't think, I really don't think anything can ever be purely altruistic simply because we always get a benefit from helping other people, right? Whether that's um, actually like achieving our goal of improving their lives or whether that's a new friend or whether that's just like the warm fuzzies that we get when we help other people, right? And I don't think that that discredits what they do, but you can't forget that like Luke went on the second Death Star with every of intention of I'm either coming out with my father or I'm dying with him. And I think that is equally as altruistic as all of those things that you mentioned about Ray, because Luke is willing to sacrifice everything for the person he loves. I think the differentiation is really between Luke doing it for the individual and Ray doing it for the galaxy. And I think that might be a big thing of where we differ is I look at Jedi as being much more interpersonal. And I think you look at him much more in a galactic scale than I do um, in terms of like who epitomizes the Jedi. Um, because Ray definitely, and I, and I want to make clear, like Ray is friggin' awesome and she's one of my favorite characters. So this is not me discrediting Ray as a Jedi, but it's just making the argument that she's not the best of the best. Um, I, I definitely think she's, if she's not number two, she's number three after Qui-Gon. Um, but it, there's going to be a benefit of everything. And I think there is a bit of, of ego that goes on with Ray and a bit of selfishness that goes on with Ray in, throughout you know her journey of going to try to save Kylo Ren yes she does it because you know she wants to you know protect her friends and bring him back to the light and feels the dyad connection to him even though she doesn't know what that is but she also does it to prove herself you know as a 
I can be a Jedi. I can do what Luke did, and I, I, I can do this. Um, she is is going to Octo not because she wants to learn from the great Jedi Master Luke Skywalker, but because she wants to figure out her place in all of this. So there is a bit of of for lack of a better term, selfishness that comes along with what Ray is doing. But I do believe that like, just like Luke, her heart is in the right place. And I think that that's really important. So then do you think for a Jedi, is it more important to strive for your internal balance and your own personal goals? Or is it more important to have that galactic outreach side of you? Yes. No. <laughs> no, I think I, I think it's other. No, I no no no. See, that's where I I disagree with you. It's not one or the other. I think it's both at the same time. I think they're two things that might seem in opposition with each other that are actually um, working communally. I think um, you know if we we look at if we look at like other religious texts, for example, right, like. A majority of them, whether it's it's you know Judaism or Buddhism or Christianity or anything, the majority of religious texts say you've got to have yourself right before you can go help other people, right? Um, and so I think that that's kind of you know what a Jedi is striving to do, and and you can never be perfect at either, and there's never going to be a perfect or a, a perfect balance of either. There's always going to be that tension there, right? And that's that's what being alive is about and that's what being a Jedi is about and that's what being a hero is about, right? Like Luke goes to to um, Cloud City to save his friends, but he also goes to prove that he can become a Jedi, right? Um, he, he goes on, he joins Obi-Wan to go out on an adventure, but also to figure out his identity, you know, with the one connection he has to his father. Um, so, you know, he... There's there's always a little bit of both in everything, and so I think that the two, I think the two work in tandem a lot more than they work in opposition. I get what you're saying about needing both or or needing that internal balance before you can go out and help others. I agree with it wholeheartedly, and I even agree with your thought that we don't do anything truly altruistically. There's always some kind of personal gain, and. That's fine. But when we're talking about Luke versus Ray, you know, you had mentioned that Luke goes to the Death Star, yeah, for that kind of more personal reason. That's okay. But where Ray goes to Exegol for other people, which one would you honestly say aligns more closely with what it means to be a Jedi, let alone the best Jedi? I would say, I would still say Luke. And the reason is because he didn't have an example to go before him. Ray had that example. And that's not to discredit what Ray did or to say what she did is, is because of Luke or he deserves the credit. But she had an example of what to do, you know, and he didn't. And I think that that makes it a lot more challenging to, to execute on. If we go to like our, our, uh, sports example from earlier, like 
there's only one Vince Lombardi and the Super Bowl trophy is named after him because he did what no one else had done before. He completely revolutionized the game of football and he had no example of how to do that before him. Like even the coaches that he taught under before didn't, I mean, they taught him how to do things, but they didn't tell him how to change the game like like he did, right? And I think that that's, that's not to say that any of the coaches that have come after Vince Lombardi are not as good or better coaches, um, but that's to say he's the best because he set the precedent, and I think that's what Luke, Luke's done it twice. Don't forget that, right? And and he went on crate, but what he does on crate, he does for for the personal of apologizing to Ben Solo, but he also does it for the greater galaxy to inspire that hope and to provide that, uh, you know, the legend that maybe the galaxy needs that Ray talks about. So don't like, don't get it twisted. Luke does both. Funny. No, you know, what's funny. I actually, when you said Luke was your favorite, I know you well enough that I immediately went to Return of the Jedi Luke and started comparing him to Rise of Skywalker Rey, just because I know that's that's both of our favorites. However, if if I had to defend your point of view, I would probably do it from The Last Jedi Luke, not from Return of the Jedi. I think there's a lot like there's a lot there of the tenets of what a Jedi should be, right? I think first and foremost, he's confronting his mistakes. Um, and this is something, you know, he does take from the people before him. Obi-Wan faces Vader again. Yoda starts training Jedi again. They face where they failed. But what sets Luke apart there is that he is not there. He's not there to redeem. He's not there to prove anything. He's not there to defeat kylo ren or ben solo or to correct his mistake he's not trying to do any of that he is simply there to apologize and while uh, you know it it's not a hundred percent altruistic because he's doing it because he feels like he needs to apologize and he probably feels you know a weight off his shoulders afterwards he's not going to get anything out of apologizing to ben solo he knows he's not going to save him but he is doing it because it's the right thing to do and obi-wan and yoda never did that right secondly again you have the non-violent solution that you get in return of the jedi so this this is a, a point that stands out to me a lot because of growing up doing martial arts and one of the things that's drilled into your head like more than any kick more than any punch more than any form more than anything the thing that is drilled into not even your head your very soul is that if you use the abilities that you have as anything other than an absolute last resort to protect the lives of yourselves or others you're done you're out you're excommunicated you're stripped of anything you've earned any belts you've earned that is gone that's how serious it is and i appreciate that luke in a martial pursuit of being a Jedi, that's an aspect of it, that he takes it that seriously. If there's another way, he finds another way. This is not a video game for him, right? This is not about gaining power or trying to, you know, even show off or or prove that he's the best of the Jedi. Like, have we ever seen anything like the Force Projection? Like, that's a pretty badass, like, powerful act. Like, if you're going to make an argument of the most powerful Jedi, it's right there. But Luke is doing it, like, 
off in the middle of nowhere, and the majority of the galaxy is never even going to know that he did that. Like, I think Ray knows it. I think Leia knows it. Like, I think, you know, those kind of characters know it. But I don't think, like, Broom Boy knows it, you know? I don't think, um, you know, Rose knows it. Like, I don't think your everyday character knows that it wasn't actually Luke there. And that's that's huge. And I, and I think that what we get with Ray and and I, I want to really point this out especially since you brought up Ray because I don't want it to f- seem like episode 9 discredits episode 6 or episode 8 Ray is in a last resort situation and still even in that she plays defense not offense and I appreciate that I think that par- that part of the Jedi line- lineage that she is inheriting at that moment is really important because Yoda Yoda says it perfectly like a Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense never for attack and while yes she's shooting the lightning back at him she's not attacking um she's standing her ground she's defending and there are there are times that we have to stand in in the face of absolute pure evil and that's what she's doing and that is something that you know we did in world war ii you know like that was an that was an absolute evil you know um those things we have to stand up against we have to dig our heels in the ground and i i appreciate that that's what she's doing and i think that that's the lesson she took from what she saw of luke but i think from the context that we have of luke you know he is not only facing the demons of the galaxy on crate he's not only inspiring hope again on crate but he's facing his own internal demons which is something um we don't get to see a lot of with any Jedi before, and I appreciate that a lot. And the last thing about crate is what I was, you know, mentioning, and then I'll I'll let you jump on in here. He 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 inspired everybody. Um, even Leia had lost hope, and and he re-inspired her. He he brought it back to her, and with Ray, I think she takes this lesson of inspiring others and following in his footsteps like the galaxy will do in Rise of Skywalker and all coming together and, you know, the everyman coming to become the hero that we got, you know, in A New Hope. But I think Rey misunderstands uh, that message. And when she goes to Octo, she says, I'm doing what you did. She's trying to follow in his footsteps, but it's misguided. And I gotta, I gotta count that as a knock against her, right? Um... But also there is, she does, she is able to course correct, which is, is a huge thing. But I think again, he, he sets, he sets the precedent. He sets the precedent of what it means to be a Jedi. So, but, but he, he messed up for decades. He went in like really. No, 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 no. She tried to for maybe 10 minutes. And then as soon as someone like kind of smacked her in the nose and was like, no, wrong get off the table like she she did she listened so that's the hapa boar in the room right that's <laughs> that's the, that's the big thing <laughs> i hate myself for how funny i thought that was <laughs> and this is something again this this honestly like it circles back to like our stop looking at only the headlines and look at what the actual article says right the headlines say that like luke messed up for for generation or for for decades but he messed up for a singular moment and 
to what extent the truth we don't really even know um because even in that third uh moment that we get in tlj like we're still getting it from luke's point of view so it's still going to be tempered by by what he saw and by his emotions and by his point of view right and that's the whole that's the whole point of it is how we perceive things determines the way that we become but it's completely in character for luke he is always his instinct is always to fight first and what sets him apart is that he doesn't pull the trigger and i think to to raise credit i think that that is something that she does uh to a solid extent in rise of skywalker um because her her uh instinct is also you know attack first ask questions later she's always the first one to pull her lightsaber like throughout the whole movie but What's important is Luke says it passes like a fleeting shadow, right? And he course corrects and he turns it around. And so we need to be careful about blaming him for decades worth of sins for the sins of a moment, right? And I think we also have to remember, and this this is one major knock I will put on TLJ, and really the only major knock that I will put on TLJ of any consistency is they should have had a moment where Luke identified more so why he believed he was there, not just the act that led him there. Because Luke is there because he believes that having the Jedi will will perpetuate the cycle of violence. He is there because he believes in his heart the best thing to do is for him to go away. He is sacrificing everything literally everything to the extent of even the possible future of the galaxy because of what he believes is the right thing to do, which is very similar to what we have with Qui-Gon, right? Qui-Gon bucks the trend. Qui-Gon goes against everything and we consider him to be the greatest Jedi. Luke goes against what we wanted and we use it against him. But really he's going to sacrifice himself. He's going because he learns what happened when you rush off into danger you know, and that's something that we see with Rey in Last Jedi. She's rush- she rushes off into danger, right? She's not informed about the situation before she goes in. Same thing we had with with Luke with Cloud City, right? This is something that they have to face. But I think it's important to keep in mind that Luke was but doing what he believed to be the right thing in the moment. Or we, not in the moment, but in had, the in the situation. We've had this argument before, and I don't think we ever came down on the same side of it because Ray didn't rush off into danger despite her mentors saying, don't do this. This is stupid. You're not ready. You're going to ruin things. You're putting your friends in danger. And she was still just like, no, I want to. I feel like I'm good. That was a really good workout we just had. Like, I'm I'm fine. Let's go. No, it was her mentor saying, like, you're ready for this. You can do this. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold yep. on. All right. No, no, no. No, no, no. Yep, yep. You're completely sure. ignoring The Last Jedi in saying that. Because Luke literally says, this is not going no, to go okay, the way okay. you think. When, when, you, when you say Cloud City versus her leaving Octo. That's the comparison that I'm making. Yes, yes. And that's the comparison that I'm making as well. What I'm saying is Luke is it, on Octo when he, when he 
uh, tries to end the Jedi and he goes there to die, he is doing it because that's what he believes to be the right thing to do based on the information that he has, right? And he is doing it not as, as an act of, I'm going to sacrifice everything. He hates that he has to be there. I think that's a major reason why he's so grumpy and ornery is he hates that he's in this situation. But again, he also recognizes that he put himself in this situation. And this is his way of apologizing to the galaxy. He's wrong. But I don't think I, I think the intention is important, right? The intention is important, not always the outcome, because it shouldn't. We talk a lot about the second Death Star and Anakin's redemption because it happened, right? But if Luke goes there and dies instead, does that discredit the heart of the Jedi that he went in there with? I don't think it does. Uh, I don't know. Something about not being redeemed wouldn't sit right with me. I think I, I think he gets a I think he gets a major I think I think the redemption gives him a major major check mark and sends him over the edge o- over the edge I think you know if you don't have that then yeah Ray could probably take the cake but you know it's it's like uh, again going back to the sports analogy if you have a great um, a great quarterback who wins tons of games and awards and all of these things but never wins a Super Bowl, does it discredit all of those other things that they achieved? Does it Does it discredit all of the other records that they set? No, but it does take them out of the pantheon of greatest of all time, right? So I think the redemption of Anakin sends him over the edge there, uh, but I, my point is we can't forget the intention with which people approach situations. And... I but think see, Ray didn't have anything that she herself had to be redeemed for the way that Luke did in hiding. She, she didn't killed need Kylo Ren. Redemption. She killed Ben but Solo. But she re- she redeemed Ben Solo. So so really, they're so far tied with Skywalker's. They've redeemed, except Luke himself needed redemption. Ray didn't. And Luke redeemed his father. Ray redeemed her enemy. Fair. But Ray redeemed her other half. I think that's that's she and this is this is where we need more information on the dyad, right? Like I'm really fascinated yeah, yeah. by the dyad and I want so much more dyad content to kind of really define this. But the way that I view it like she felt incomplete without Ben Solo. You can take that to Raylo or whatever you want, you know, whatever. Like, she felt incomplete, like a part of her was missing without him in her life in some way, shape, or form. And when she had, when Kylo Ren was there, that was, in a way, the manifestation of the darkness in her, even though she didn't recognize it because she didn't recognize that he was her other half either, right? So... You're you're making the connection between Luke and Vader and that emotional tie that they have, but it the same is there for Ray and Ben. Again, that doesn't discredit what they do, and honestly, I think it adds a lot to them. But Luke redeemed his enemy also. Vader was his enemy. Yeah, Vader was his know, enemy. 
You know what's funny? Just thinking of needing more information on the dyad, I would even say that that would make or break my argument because depending on what we learn about the dyad in the future, we just don't know enough about it now, right? But we could say, you know what? Rey was only half a Jedi. Ben Solo was the other half. Maybe she's not the greatest of all time because she's only half a Jedi. Or we could say, hey, Rey was automatically the greatest Jedi of all time, and that's why she was blessed to be to be part of a dyad in the first place. Yeah, I mean, I, but we just don't know enough. There's there's chosen one precedence in in Star Wars, right? Um, so I, I really like. We've gone back and forth on Rise of Skywalker a lot, and I've told you, like, I, I fluctuate depending on the day, uh, you know, and my mood, what I think of the movie. But the one thing that is consistent is, like, the dyad is an amazing idea. Uh, it's a, a great manifestation of the journey of Rey and, and uh, Ben Solo and Kylo Ren. Um, and and we need more of it. I, I like that there is the the allusion to it not happening for generations in there so that we can hopefully get, you know, some other stories of other dyads uh, down the road and, and even maybe some exploration of Ray, you know, maybe, maybe we get like some, uh, like those comics where Luke is like reading Ben's journal and uh, Ben Kenobi and we see, you know, the adventure through Ben's eyes. And then when you come back to, you know, Luke reading the journal or whatever, I would dig that with Ray, like her going on to discover more about the dyad and we get the stories through what she's reading. And, and that could, that could definitely redefine it. Like, like that's the thing about star Wars, right? Like it's constantly changing and constantly evolving. And I think that's part of the reason that we, we, um, you know, come back to it more and more. And we're able to have these debates. And, and if you had asked 10 year old me who the greatest Jedi of all time was Luke, wouldn't have even like I wouldn't have even had a conversation about it you know um if you had asked 20 year old me who the greatest Jedi was it would be somebody completely different like my attachment to Luke is something that has evolved you know over recent years and evolved uh you know kind of honestly in parallel to to your uh evolution with Rey you know and, and her becoming your favorite character um and and why you're making the argument that she's the greatest Jedi. I think something I want to point out about Luke also is, and, and granted, I, I think there's definitely points where, where Ray um, hits these as well. But I mentioned earlier, you know, Yoda being the, the wisest of the Jedi and almost his quotes are almost like the scripture, if you will, of our view of what a Jedi should be. Um, and so I wanted to just kind of point out a few of those that I, I think Luke really lives out and why, and granted, we have a lot more content with Luke than we have with Ray. So she is at a bit of a disadvantage here, but why Ray, or excuse me, why Luke has the consistent track record, um, to make him the greatest Jedi of all time, even beyond those two moments. The first one is, you know, the luminous beings, are we, uh, not this crude matter, He's teaching Ray this. He's recounting that lesson. Um, and, you know, in Battlefront 2, he he offers help to Del Mico because, as he puts it, you asked for it. Um, 
he is like Qui-Gon in never discounting anyone. He sees the value in them in the same way that Qui-Gon sees the value in Jar Jar. You know, he sees the value of Ewoks and what they can do. And that even, you know, goes to size matters not. Um, another important one, I think, is wars not make one great. Because, again, nonviolent actions. Um, he, he fights for people. Um, he doesn't fight for... To win a war. war war ends up being the backdrop but it's never war or glory that he is is after um and then the the most famous yoda quote of all time do or do not there is no try this goes back to what i was saying earlier about uh luke and he goes on the second death star to either redeem his father or die there's there's no plan b um he's he's either going to do it or it's it's not going to get done. Um, there is no middle ground. There is no, if there's an out and I can try again another time, I'm going to take it. Um, which, you know, uh, an argument could be made that Ray does take an out in, um, escaping, uh, Snoke's throne room in the last Jedi that ends up very well. And I'm happy that she did. And I'm happy that, you know, as according to the novel, she listened to the force and trusted in the force and did not kill Kylo Ren because things would have ended very differently. Um, and then just the last one is, is one that I think we've come back to. Um, and I particularly have come back to a lot, which is Jedi uses the force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. I think when you look at just the, the breadth of what we have with, you know, with Yoda as our teacher, with Yoda as our, our scripture, if you will, of, of the tenets of the Jedi, even though he falls short on, on many of those, Luke epitomizes those with a more consistent track record than I think we have with Ray. Ask me at 40. I may tell you the same. I may not. You're right. You do Thank have you. A lot more that's it. All right, that's the show. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We will uh, see you. I cannot wait to get. I cannot wait to get more material with Ray, so I can keep a running list, and in two years come back to you and be like, "Hey, I got my quotes ready and my example." <laughs> <laughs> like, and and it does make a big difference. And like I said, Ray's at a disadvantage. I think I definitely was more instantly there's potential. there's potential though there is and i will say like i i definitely was more instantly attracted to ray than i was to luke i i really it's just been recent years that i've really come around on luke but i really could not have cared less about luke when i was growing up um i just i didn't i didn't really care about his story i didn't connect with it i didn't really understand it um but it's been recent years in my own personal evolution that has has brought me around to um, I'm I'm also watching Crate right now and Luke and Kylo facing off and oh it's so good um, but it's recent years and the additional text that we've got and, and my additional exploration of said text that have really brought it around to me but in terms of like the instant connection Ray almost, I mean, in those first, what, 10, five, 10 minutes we have of her where she says nothing. Like that's a perfect introduction for a character. And I instantly was like, I don't know what it is, but I absolutely love this character and I would do anything to protect her. And <laughs> even though she would <laughs> probably end up protecting me, but like, I say that to say, like, I completely get why 
you choose her as the greatest Jedi and why, even though we don't have a lot of uh, content with her, she is able to be considered in that pantheon um, so swiftly. And I think she she does culminate everything that the Jedi are. And I don't want to discredit that either. The, the I am all the Jedi, I disagree strongly that um, all the Jedi actually physically live in her. I think she's what she's saying there is I am the culmination of all the Jedi teachings, of all the mistakes of the past, of all the uh, lessons and the precedent set by characters like Obi-Wan and Yoda and most importantly Luke and Leia. And I am living those those principles now. I am I stand for that now. And that in one person is strong enough to defeat all evils. That's that's how I read the end of Rise of Skywalker, um, and I definitely think that that end moment is up there with the second Death Star and with Crate. Oh man, we I feel like we need to revisit this discussion every couple of years because, like, you know, I think I think this is the big point is we ourselves change and the qualities that we admire change and that's totally fine that's part of why people grow up with star wars and adapt and then of course just more material who knows what's going to happen and what stories we're going to get yeah i mean after we get episode you know 10 11 and 12 and we have three more movies with ray and we uh we we might be saying differently it's gonna happen guys i'm just saying it's gonna happen all right but you know in terms of of consistency and being there we're always going to be here for you clashing sabers (laughs) is always going to be here we've always got content coming out whether it is our articles over on clashingsabers.net our commentary is on patreon this uh podcast we have coming out like we have we have lots of good stuff for you and there is never ever a dull moment over uh at clashingsabers.net we have you know all of our old articles if you uh if you are old school like me and still like to read things um and not just read the headlines check it out um but also our patreon um especially with school starting back up um, i'm very excited about that uh because 100 percent of those funds go to uh buying and delivering books to teachers and students across the country um even though we're in this this um very fluctuating, if you will, uh, educational situation. At the end of the day, kids still need books and teachers are still finding ways to get books into the hands of kids um, and help guide them through those books. And we want to be able to, to assist with that and appreciate any help you can give there. So you can head over to patreon.com slash clashing sabers to find that. Side note, if you have any uh, particularly upper elementary middle school teachers right now um, that uh, you would like us to send a care package to, please uh, fill out that form on clashingsavers.net so that we can get those books to them because I have I have a box with some that I am uh, waiting for, for people to get settled in and, and uh, you know, teachers to kind of get their feet underneath them. Um, and then we're going to start sending those out. So there's that. Twitter at Clashing Sabers, Facebook Clashing Sabers Star Wars community. Lindsay, what you got? You guys can always find me over on Facebook um, in our Facebook group, and then you can also find me over on Twitter at the Lady of Lore. But then definitely check out Patreon. Uh, great cause, 
great bonus content, if I say so myself. And we can always chat and have a good time there. And if you like this conversation that Lindsay and I had about talking about Jedi and, uh, you know, Last Jedi came up a lot, you're definitely going to want to listen to that Last Jedi commentary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you particularly like to see people embarrass themselves. And, uh, it, you know, if, you, if you've oh, ever you watched... Oh, do you do that in the commentary? Once or twice, yeah. once or twice. It's like <laughs> it's like a two and a half hour long audio fail video. So yeah. go check it out. <laughs> so, but good. but again, the intention behind the action was good. <laughs> and it's not helping, Bring it is all it? Around. No. <sighs> all right. Well, I guess then I only have one thing left to say. Batch eight. Hi ho. Look at that. It's like we didn't even miss a day. Look, that was probably our best one yet. I mean, if we're only pretty the good. intro were that good. Hey, <laughs> the circle is now complete, okay? There we go. The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here. At least you're still in one piece.